Hello, welcome to the Fault Line podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to Brian of the band One Step Closer. Um, we talk about their new record, their old records. We talk a lot about their sound and the sort of emo influence they have um, in their hardcore sound. Um, we also go into like how the pandemic hit them and various tours and stuff they've done and what parts of the world they enjoy the most. Um, so yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Take a listen. I'm great. How are you, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm busy day at work, but it's, you know, it's work and life. That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> you <gotta love> it. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta tell yourself you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every day. Yeah. Just crying to my pillow when I come home from work. Like, I love work. I love it. I don't. I hate it. <laughs> Um, so, how did the band start? Uh, the band started five years ago on January 1st, 2016. Wow. As if you remember that. I literally, like, every band I've been in, I could never remember the day we started. Just, oh, really? Never. <laughs> nah, no way. I can remember yeah, roughly, I'm, but not, like, yeah, not remember, that specific. Uh, I remember we were talking about on tour the one time. They were like, uh, yeah, when did the band start? And I was like, oh, it started New Year's Day on, like, 2016. Cause um, what happened was is uh we went on a New York City trip, like me and a bunch of friends, and then that's how I met the singer Ryan. Okay, uh, <laughs> just running around New York City, and then he Snapchatted me. And he's like, "Yo, you want to practice next week?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then it ended up being January first, like a couple days after, or like a week after that New York City trip. And then uh, yeah, from then on, we've just been been going strong. And then, you know, we added some members throughout the way. So it was that quick. So it was literally just like, you went to New York City, you met this guy, and it was like, y'all done a practice next week. It was that quick. Yeah, basically, because Ryan already had the idea for the band with our drummer, Tommy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like it was already like being worked out. And then uh, I guess they needed a bass player because the um, original one they asked either wasn't like available or like he, they just weren't feeling it. And then, uh, so the first, very first practice of OC was just me, original Tom or Drama, or Tom, and then uh, this Ryan. And then uh, throughout time, we kicked out that drummer. And then Tommy, uh, went, who was the first guitar player, went to drums. Okay. And then we added Grady to the band. Uh, and then Ross joined midway through there as well. Who's, he's the guy with like the blue guitar. That's what everyone knows him as. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, it's funny. I remember. I think I saw that guitar on like the the Half Heart show, the one that you played. In. Oh yeah. Um, what's the big venue called? What's the Palladium? Is it? A Palladium. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool. Oh, you were there? No, no. Man, I wish. Oh. No, no, no. Oh. I wish. I did go to the Half Heart show that they did in Leeds, which was cool. Oh, sweet. I heard that was which, crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, if they could have chose a bigger venue, I think it definitely would have packed out a bigger venue, and it was it was still like. I don't know. It must have been around about 2,000 cap. Maybe. Oh, okay. It was huge. But what's the Palladium? Wasn't that like 10,000 people? Uh, so the plate, or so it was actually kind of a. Like the matinee show, it was in a car park or something, wasn't it? Yeah, the matinee oh, show was in the car park. So the first night was inside the Palladium. And that I think is around 2,000 cap. I could be wrong. And then we played next the next day on the outside of the Palladium in the parking lot. And there was that flooded with like around 10,000 people. Nice. It was. It was it was like so <laughs> seeing down to nothing play in like <laughs> a crowd of 10,000 people <laughs> was just wild because like they, like their music's very fun and they're yeah. fun on stage so just seeing people just non-stop like stage dive and just like screaming down to nothing lyrics was just like 
memorable in its first place. And then seeing like 5,000 people screaming have heart lyrics at once was just like such a way to end it. And then in the distance of the have heart set, you were able to see the storm rolling in. And like right when they ended, it was just a torrential no. downpour. It was it was like such a moment that <laughs> like wow. I could just I'd relive it every day if I could. That was a crazy day. How did it feel being asked to play that kind of show? Oh, <laughs> it felt so. It, it felt insane. Uh, I remember like when the band first started, we were always like, "Yo, we're gonna re- like we're gonna play with Half Heart one day." Like because like because like no one ever thought they would ever play again. So it was always just, like our big joke that oh, like one day we'll play with Half Heart, like a dream band. <laughs> and then. I guess Pat hit up Ryan. Uh, I think he either texted him, hit him up on Instagram, and then asked him. And then I was on my way home from my girlfriend's house in Jersey. And I remember the exact spot on the highway I was at when I got the call from Ryan. He's like, yo, like you'll never, you'll absolutely never guess what just happened. Like who just asked us to play a show? And he's like, Pat hit us up and asked if one step closer wanted to play like a half hour reunion show that's like not announced yet or anything, like keep it on like this the down low. And I like time just froze. Like I was like, no <laughs> way. Like yeah. I never, I, I never saw that band. I was always like too young or never around. Like when they were, when they were playing, so it's like always something I wanted to do was just see them play since I was a child, and then be like, let alone play with them. I was like mind blown. So he's like, I figured I'd ask, and I'm like, dude, why are you even asking? Like just tell Pat, like yes, we want to play with Half Heart. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That is like the kind of thing where it's like you would call in sick to work, or you're just like. Oh you my would, god, yeah. You'd do anything to play that kind of shit. Absolutely it's anything like, to do that. It's crazy. So um talk me through a little bit about the sound of One Step Closer then, because obviously I sort of when well, the first sort of stuff you guys put out, I got that real sort of like um turning point vibe, that late turning point sort of sound. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and I feel like with the new single that's just come out, it's very I feel like it's got a lot of like touche amore in it a little bit so yeah talk yeah. to me a little bit about how you started with the sound and how the sound progressed so when we first started five years ago we were like youth crew yeah straight okay. up run-of-the-mill youth crew our demos everything was youth crew and then we wrote uh a song called moving forward and like the name of that song couldn't be any more metaphorical because that song is really what put us in this much more natural feeling writing process. Uh, and that was put out on a promo track, I believe, or it might be on the self-title we had to back in the day. And then our self-titled is actually like very emo. Like it's a very emo self-titled in my opinion. It's, it's, it's like the classic, like we, we, like we do a lot of like emo hardcore music, I guess you could say. I don't think we have like a really run of the mill hardcore sound to our music i never thought we did uh like as, ever since that uh self-titled and then with for me to you we kind of went in with this mindset like okay wait we want to have some mosh parts we want to do this and we, we were kind of still in that mindset of forcing to write a part that we didn't necessarily feel but now this 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 record uh that's going to be released in september is just all us like there's not there's not a single thing that's just not how we felt during the time or what we went through when we were writing it's just simply like expressing ourselves through the music and uh, like a lot of people have noticed that I noticed like in some of the responses we got so far in that single, they're like, wow, like, you know, I, I didn't expect the sound from one step closer or wow, like they're not like changing sound, but like they're amplifying their sound. And I feel like that's just the epitome of us putting ourselves more into the music. We did that a lot with me to you too, but now it's, it wasn't like fully that we still wanted to write specific parts, I guess you could say, but now it's just whatever happened kind of happened. And the sound 
uh, I don't know. A lot of people keep comparing it to other things. Like a lot of people say it's just like half hard or it's yeah. turning point or it's title fight or balance and composure. And none of those ba- bands in themselves sounds similar in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do like, get the whole, like, I feel like the shed era title fight is definitely in your sound a little bit. Um, yeah, I can hear the title fight. Mate, I don't, Balancing Composure is a funny one. I couldn't really yeah. that. That's quite a funny one. I feel like people are, are there's just like, they're, they're, they're trying to make these comparisons and I, I, I wish they, I wish it would just exist as it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I do hear Touche more in it. I do. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's very true. I love that band too. But like, I wasn't like, we weren't sitting there writing like, oh, like Touche Mori. It's just kind of, Touche, well, Touche Mori is a very like from the heart band, in my opinion. Yeah. So I like, they, they you could tell they dumped their heart and soul into their music. So I feel like maybe we can, maybe that's like what came off in our music too, just putting like your emotions into it. Cause that band's incredible. Did you, did you, ever, did you ever see them live? Uh, yeah, I actually caught them in Birmingham once. Uh, yeah, I've seen them once and they had Angels to support, which was pretty cool. In Birmingham. Yeah, <laughs> that must have been a fun bill. Yeah, that band, I just, I love seeing that band live because you can just, you can, you can be like in any type of mood, but listening to them live, you're, you're going to be put in like a specific mood because I like what they express live and everything in the music is fantastic. But I, I, I think like in our sound, like I said, it's just all, it's very emotive. It's very from the heart, especially Pringle Street. Pringle Street kind of encapsulates everything you're going to hear on this record, yeah. like very energetic. And then we dump into that very melodic emo ending. Uh, and we also have a chorus in this song. We, we didn't really have many choruses in For Me To You. So it's a very structured song. It's very, it jumps in between, in my opinion, like like you get your hardcore mosh part towards the end. You got like your pop punk kind of uh, chorus part and then your very emo ending. And that kind of, in, in my opinion, is what we kind of encapsulate throughout this whole record. Because there's some there's some songs where, like we'll, we'll be at practice saying like this this song might be a bummer live, but it's not that it's just like not a bummer isn't a bad song. It's just a very like, not so driving but much more emo song. So it's more like a like a like an appreciative song rather than like let's go crazy stage diving and moshing kind of like what you get like with the reach from me to you. So, it's Pringle Street's not, it does it that's kind of a stick out song in this record. It, it's not every song sounds like that. They're not all like I was just saying energetic or as, you know, like, uh, like chorus bridge chorus kind of songs. But it's it's definitely going to give you a good intro to what is to come on the rest. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited uh, for like the other songs to be written out because I, I think I think we really or come out because I think we really hit the the head on, or the, the head on the nail with like the flow of this record. Yeah. Pringle Street comes uh, right before the interlude song, I believe. And it, we kind of have a very powerful beginning to this record. And then we hit that interlude. Uh, and then it kind of dives in much more of the emotive writing towards the end of the, uh, the end of the record. And it ends with a, actually, the, all right, the last song, people will be like, okay, half heart. The last song is very half heart. Oh, <laughs> it's like oh. extremely half heart, the last song. Like just like the the the, the way uh, Ross and Ryan wrote the chords and recorded them, it's very it's a very half heart track. But up until then, I would say the whole record is very just what OSC sounds like—a kind of mix of the emo, the hardcore, some pop punk elements. And like I was saying, I, Pringle Street really encapsulates all of that. Okay. It, it encapsulates everything you'll hear on the rest of the record. 
it's but cool. it's still a standalone track because it's it's like a healthy mix of everything whereas other songs are just straight emo straight hardcore it's like a, a healthy mix yeah so, i mean i've I thoroughly enjoyed that single I'm, I'm really really excited for the record i love okay. the progression i love the progression from the first sort of stuff that you had into this i do think like you said this is from obviously an outsider's point of view but i do think that new record is definitely what the osc sound is um you've taken the element the, the like, you know the best elements from the previous records and encapsulated into the new record with the emo sound and i think you've hit like a real sort of perfect stride of it now obviously it, you got signed to run for cover as well so it suits that label down to a t pretty much like you think of the bands that are on that label you know that you this new record i can only imagine that it's going to suit this label down to a t Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. So when obviously you said obviously you started the the band as like a youth group band, did you yeah. see it go into this sort of emo sort of side? Did you ever see it from the start? Did you sort of start it and go, you know, let's incorporate the emo, or did you literally just go, let's just do a hardcore band kind of thing? No. So like I know Ryan. Ryan was always. Uh, like writing the like ryan writes most of the riffs so he was always pushed like a youth crew band back in the day and then as we kept playing shows i kind of like <laughs> i don't I, i'm just gonna be like i thought it was boring after a while just playing youth crew songs because it, it gets very repetitive uh, uh, in, in the nicest way possible like i love the you know the sort of youth crew heroes but youth crew is sort of a lane that missed me anyway like it's it is one of those kind of you know, all songs sort of are very similar. It's it's you know, it had its prime, I think, but oh it had its point and it it, it created a or it started a huge movement. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. I think yeah. that was the, that's the most important thing about youth crew really is the movement that it actually started. Yeah. I, I personally I don't really I don't listen to hardcore that much. Okay. I know yeah, so like uh I guess uh like it's fun playing hardcore. But I I can't go home and listen to it because of like that same reason where it's kind of it could get repetitive, you yeah. know. I, I, that doesn't really pull me, and I need I need more of that like that. I need to grasp more of a feeling for music. So that's why I reach out to more like emo, or like I love Modest Mouse and bands like that. Okay, because uh, that that's much more of what what like pulls me into music is like being able to take something away from it and like grasp that more relatable feeling. And I just I don't really relate to the youth crew as much or like yeah. hardcore in general as much. And so I was always pushing for like more structured sounds and more like emo riffs and stuff like that. Uh, and then it, that's what kind of just ended up happening. Uh, like, I remember it was like, oh, I was like, I was like, we should try and structure a song like the Pixies did. Cause I think the Pixies had like a very, their songs are incredible. Like the way they structured them is insane. Yeah. And then that, that was one of the songs we wrote right before writing moving forward. And that's I feel like what put us in the, like a uh, like subliminal mood where we're just gonna start right like mixing this emo with hardcore. And that really is what no pun intended, because we have a song called Blossom. That's kind of what blossomed into our sound now. Uh Blossom was on that self-title I was talking about earlier. And that was a very, very structured song, very like Ryan had really good uh like lyrics for that. And that's kind of what led up to writing for me to you and stuff like that. Cause that's what, that's what came out before the promo we wrote for, for me to you. And 
it, it kind of just, we, I, I think we just felt more in tune with writing emo hardcore, like emo slash hardcore kind of riffs and, and that kind of music than we did with just writing youth crew. Because we just, I, I feel like we weren't really into the music as much when we were just writing youth crew stuff. Yeah. And I, I kind of, it got really noticeable after like a year and a half of doing that. And then I was, and then we just started like, you know, sitting down, hitting the books more and like, what, like, what is this band about? Like, who are, what are we about? And that's kind of what led, that's definitely what led to our self-titled and then into our, uh, promo for, for me to you. And then ultimately led to for me to you, because up until for me to you, Ryan wasn't really writing lyrics like that. And then when he came to the, like, the table with those lyrics, we were jaw dropped. They were amazing. I thought, I thought, I think his lyrics on the for me to you record are incredible. Cause I can relate to them so much. And same thing with his lyrics on the, the LP. I, he like, he really literally hits home. Like with the tracks like lead to gray, that's kind of about the hometown. He just, he really encapsulates what it feels like to live here. And you can, uh, in my opinion, you can feel that you can feel what he's saying. Even if you don't live here, you can like have a picture of what living in this Valley's like without even having to ever come here just based on Ryan's lyrics. Wow. And yeah, I think over over the years he really became. And I, again, I think that's because we I was pushing for that more like what are we feeling kind of sound. So he was able to put more of what he was about into the lyrics, and he flourished from there. Yeah. So talking about obviously your hometown, how did you sort of what's the word? How did you get on? So did you play shows locally or because? For my, I mean, I'm not from the states, but from my understanding, obviously, Wilkes Barre is quite out there almost. Yeah. Does it sound like a lot goes on there? No, not not a lot. It's a very boring place. Um, I, I actually think Ned Russon in his book that he wrote, I yeah. think he mentions like he was he's he felt lucky that Wilkes Barre is a boring place because of, like when he was gone, it never he never felt like he was missing anything. And I like, that's exactly right. Like when we're on tour, I, the last thing on my mind is what's going on back home. Cause there's just, there's like nothing here to worry about. Uh, but to get to the question, we, we did start off playing shows around here. Uh, our first show was at the other side in Wilkes-Barre, which is no longer a venue. And I think we played that show with a band called Barbarian Seeing Red and then a couple of other bands. And I, I, I actually think the drummer of Inclination was in one of those bands back in the day. He was fronting one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, so we actually met him like literally at the beginning. And now it's kind of cool when we play with Inclination to think like, wow, like both of our, like we're, like we're playing like this is hardcore right now, but we met each other like at our first show. Well, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was like, it's like moments like that I really cherish with the band is like seeing the people that have been there from the start and then as things progress, it's like, it's nice to build those friendships over all the years. Nice. But yeah, most of our shows were in, well, they, they definitely were in Wilkes-Barre. Okay. Our second show ever was actually in New York. We played at the Akron, which is now closed. We played with the band from the UK called Insist. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Insist, yeah, Brad and all them. Those are all awesome guys. And then um, I think another band from the UK played as well because it was an, an Insist with... I think I think they were like same members in, in both bands. I just forget the name of the other band. But then like it, that's to get back to like friends from the start. Like our second show was ever at the Akron, and then when we toured Europe, we ended up staying at Bradley's house. Oh, okay. so it's like all these things keep coming full circle, 
And it, it's just like a, a total like mind blow on all of us. Because well, when, when, when we were at Brad's house, we were talking about that. Like, oh, remember when we met each other in New York City five years ago? <laughs> like we never ever thought we would be at your homestay in the UK. <laughs> That's crazy. It's, 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 it's like a really cool feeling. But um, I think our first, our first tour ever that we did outside of Wilkes-Barre was with Fence Cutter from New Jersey. Okay. Uh, that's with uh, Avery and Jason and Juan and all those, all those homies. And then that was our first time leaving. But uh, yeah, it was a good like year and a half, two years before we started touring a lot more often or even getting asked to play shows outside of Wilkes-Barre. Uh, and then once we dropped from EDU, we just really went headstrong and just started touring like as much as we could nonstop. Okay. But uh, actually, when the band started, Wilkes-Barre, the Wilkes-Barre scene was rather dead, actually. Really? There wasn't much going on. So even if it was like a, a banger show, maybe like 15 people, 20 people would come out. Wow. So it was like a rough, really rough start to uh, the band. But, you know, we just uh, like saw it through. And then bands like us, uh, Choice to Make, and like now wild red's gonna like you know picking up from wheelchair so like a lot it's like the scene's gonna start like hopefully coming back especially once this pandemic ends hopefully shows are you know like 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 they were before the pandemic started and like more people start rolling out and everything definitely wow that's crazy i mean i've seen this just guys i don't really know them personally but i've seen them a few times so is it leeds they're from leeds i think they're from leeds yeah 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 it sounds about or right. is leeds near manchester yes Okay, yeah, because the show we played that, oh, not too far. Yeah, because the show we played that night before we crashed at Bradley's house was in Manchester. It was at the university, I believe. Right. Okay. That's so. That's, yeah. That's yeah, right. So obviously, you say you're not very. Um, you don't really have like a hardcore background. So, what it, when you're on tour and you've got that sort of time in between traveling between shows? What's the music that you're like going to? What kind of stuff do you listen to? Because oh, I know, I like, like whenever I'm on tour whenever i'm traveling to a show to play a show i'm the same i'm in a heavy band so i'd rather listen to stuff that's not so heavy i mean i'm not really hardcore i don't really have a massive hardcore background myself um i do have kind of a metal background just because of my my dad but yeah i'm not really hardcore based either so i generally on tour and when i'm at home or when i'm driving to work listen to like I mean, my favorite band's Radiohead. Like, and that's pretty much. Like, oh, sweet! That's yeah. pretty much like all I listen to sometimes. Nine times out of ten, if we're on the road and I have my headphones on, it's gonna be uh, Modest Mouse, Boxcar Racer. So, uh, I love that band. Blink, uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Wow, what Bring Me the Horizon record? All of them. They're all perfect. Oh, really? See, yeah. I, like, I liked them up until There Is a How. And then it kind of dropped off a little bit for me then. But I liked every album up until that point. Like I was a proper like big, big fan of him. I went to like meet him at like a signing and stuff in Birmingham at one point. Oh, that totally would have been big. I was that big of a fan. Like I had uh, I had a CD of There Is A House signed by them all and met them all. So oh my God, that's amazing. I was that kind of person. Oh, that's, yeah, that's totally how I would have been too. Um if I, if I mean, if they were doing that around here, I would have been first in line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the story so far, uh, title fight, obviously. Yeah. Um, let me pull up some, uh, Sunny Day Real Estate. Uh, of course. Oh, uh, Get Up Kids. Yeah. Um, Gypsy from Wilkes-Barre, actually. That's one of 
uh, Alex Russell from Cold World Side Projects. Okay. Um, and then like I listen to a lot of like I like my my bread and butter is like Motown funk stuff like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. So like I, I like I like diving into that stuff. Um, I'm I'm yeah like I it's either I'm jamming some like just classic run the mill emo bands or like I'm playing Rufus Thomas, <laughs> like funk or <laughs> Al Green, Mo, like some Motown, Al Wilson, stuff like that. I, I, I that's like what I really, I love that stuff. Well, I guess yeah, as a bass player, I should, you know, that's for like the, like yeah. a lot of the funky yeah. bass stuff and all the fun stuff on bass. So, um, well, that brings me back to my next question then. So as a bassist, who are your idols and people that you look up to when it comes to playing uh, any instrument really? Uh, any instrument uh i would say isaac brock from modest mouse i think his guitar parts are incredibly unique i think it's uh it's it, he like no one's been able to like recreate what he's done in my opinion bands have tried but it, no, no one even comes close and we, you can actually probably so one of the endings on the songs on the record is very modest mouse like actually okay. uh, i think the third track in i think it's a very like it's like a very modest mouse part. We didn't do that intentionally because no one else in the band really listens to him. It just kind of ended up happening. But when I heard what, but I heard what Ryan and Ryan and Ross wrote, I was like, "Wow, that's like put that on the record, put it on the record." Like, yeah, I was so stoked. So I, I went in there and added some harmonics in the bass and stuff like that, and it kind of comes. It's a really, really melodic ending. But I would say he's probably my like, I guess an idol, I guess per se on a on an, any instrument. Uh, and then Mark Hoppus, obviously. Cause like, I like, I just like having fun with the music. So when we're on stage, like I always just like going, going crazy, having fun, jumping around, whatever. And like, I just uh, like growing up watching blink live, live, live videos or like some 41 live videos, it kind of just brushed off on me. It just feels more natural to be up there having fun rather than standing still making, making sure I hit every note or anything. Yeah. Um, definitely that Billy Corgan too, big, like big idol. He's phenomenal. Yeah. I yeah. think he, he's has created and accomplished some of the most amazing tones with guitar and yeah, like the, the the tone he gets out of a fuzz is incredible incredible yeah. uh, it, I, it's wild actually it's, it's, it's like it's, when i look at a pedal i don't even i don't even know what it like what it does what it looks like <laughs> I, I don't even have a tuner pedal i use my phone when we're on stage all <laughs> that right. all that jazz makes no sense to me <laughs> but <laughs> whatever he knows whatever he does is incredible i i i love it I bought uh, a swollen pickle pedal a few years ago and it was like 200 pounds. I was just like, everybody was like, this is the way to get the Smashing Pumpkin sound. So I was like, yeah, 200 pounds. I'll just yeah. to get it. <laughs> yeah. That was back okay. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it does. It does. But like you said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same. I don't really know what I'm doing with pedals. So I just kind of just like swirl it all around until they get what I want out of it kind of thing. Yeah, but, I have a, I have a chorus pedal. And people like will like sometimes comment on the tone. I'm like, all right, sweet. So I guess I know somewhat of what I'm doing, <laughs> but at the, in reality, I have no idea. Yeah, not a clue. That's funny. I and mean, I guess, I've I've never. I mean, the band that I'm in now, I think it's a yeah, it's a, the only band I've ever played bass in. And it's like I bought um, a compressor, and then someone came up to me and was like, "How'd you get the tone?" I was like, I "Just bought this pedal, man, and started fiddling <laughs> about the dials until I got what I wanted out of it." So I could tell you. Yeah. When I was on tour, when we were on tour with Knuckle Puck, the one sound guy says, you should get a, like, I guess I'm like a riffy bass player. He told, he told me. So he's like, you should get a compressor. So I was like, oh, okay, sweet. I'll get it. 
but I ended up not buying it because I'd watch videos and I just would not understand a lick of what they were talking about. <laughs> what it does. So I'm like, I don't want to waste $250 right now on this compressor. Like, I don't even know if I really need it. Yeah, I mean, so the band that I'm in is like super roofy. So it was like, I, I probably said to buy something that makes the bass pull out a little bit more. So looking online, it was like buy a compressor and I bought one. I just sort of looked at it and was like, what do I do with it? <laughs> I got there in the end. I figured it out in the end. But yeah. I might have to get one. What does it do exactly? It just compresses the sound. <laughs> oh, really? That's all? Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe maybe I will have to get one because the, there's some... Uh, like the They're pretty cool. Them. Like it, I mean, you, you get one. This is all I've ever done with pedals. Ever since I started playing guitar, like when I was... I don't know. When I was probably about 18, 19, I was in a shoegaze band. So I just had like loads of pedals for the sake of it. Not mm. really knowing like full well what they actually did. Yeah. When it comes to buying pedals, I just bought it and just would mess around with it so much until I got what I wanted out of it. Until I thought, oh, that sounds cool. And then I'd keep it at that sort of setting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do with my, with my uh, uh, chorus pedal. So that's kind of what I did with the compressor. But it does, it does pull out the bass a little bit more. It does make it like, Come, like, trying to think of the word for it. it gives it like a lot of clarity oh it does oh I definitely have to get one of those then actually it definitely like it's definitely something that would be perfect for OCS for sure OSC even for sure oh, sweet. yeah I didn't know that I'll definitely have to get that actually actually speaking of shoegaze there are, there are some sh- like Ross the guitar player he says like like there is a lot of shoegaze elements like not not slow like music wise but like like we mixed in a lot of pedals like like i will have I, I will probably have a full-blown pedal board for my bass after like once we buy everything yeah and once tours pick back up and then i know ross himself he has like he went crazy with the tones too on this this record so like there's not like a not like the writing style of shoegaze but there's a lot of pedal taking noise and yeah making yeah noise with the pedals yeah there's tons of it on this record yeah, yeah that's cool so yeah i mean I, I, I remember like leaving that shoegaze band and just selling the majority of the pedals I had. <laughs> I just didn't need them at home. And then, I mean, that was a long time. I mean, I don't play guitar in a band anymore, so I don't really have any use for it anyway. But yeah, I just remember selling them all because I was just like, don't need this. But yeah, one of my main influences is Kevin Shield. So that's why like it was a hard, uh, shoegaze band because I just always loved my Billy Valentine. Like, so. Oh, but my, yeah, I love that band too. I have a, I have a question. This is, I don't know. I don't, I mean, this is just from a question I wanted to ask is one step closer. Did you call it one step closer because of the Linkin Park song? (laughs) No, actually I did. I did think of the, I do love Linkin Park. Yeah. I mean, actually not. They're, they're incredible. Uh, my dad got me into them when I was really young, but, um, no, it actually, so the, when we so when we were practicing for like maybe two or three weeks at this time we didn't have a name and then ryan was saying like half step or i yeah i think yeah half step was one of them and i think rampage was another one but i think that was already taken uh and then we all just got together one night and we were driving around and i know someone said it'd be cool to have a name with like a like i guess it called an acronym like you know you can people say osc all the time is that an acronym i think it is but um the abbreviation abbreviation i guess yeah yeah i, I think I there's a word for it but i can't i can't think of it um and i was like oh and then i just kept thinking and then like i was like what about one step closer like osc 
just flows really nicely off the tongue. And then it also involves that step part that Ryan was talking about, like half steps. So I was like, oh, what about one step closer? Uh, and then we all loved, we all loved it. And then we just, uh, like officially had a name from that point. And then, uh, obviously like since day one, when we announced the name of the band, it's like, everyone's like, oh, Lincoln Park, Lincoln Park. <laughs> That's um, why I had to ask. I was like, I yeah, have to ask, just in case, but I will say the, the name it's, it's strange. Cause I don't, I, when I hear one step closer, I don't instantly go, oh, Lincoln Park. I literally think your name suits the style of the music. Which is quite interesting because you don't get oh. that a lot, but I do yeah. think the name suits the style of music to a T. Which is yeah, that makes me so happy you just said that because, uh, like I love that era of music. Like, all right, like the story so far, you know, yeah. kind of just doesn't really like get to a point. I guess it's just like leading yeah. up to that moment, and like I feel like their music fits their name. Yeah, I always loved bands where the music kind of fit the name, and there was like a, a good era. Or like I guess like the scene era, a lot of those like names yeah. of those bands fit the music. Yeah, and I, I was like a little scene kid when I was younger, so I guess that might have been what influenced me thinking of a band name like that. Yeah, where yeah. you can kind of pin the music to the name. I I, I really like that. Yeah, it does to down to a T. Like a lot of bands are like that at the moment. I think there's you know one step closer that definitely suits the style of music. I think anxious that suits the style of music they do definitely yeah. Koyo that suits the style of music they do as well oh Koyo yeah 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 I think there's a lot of bands coming out where it's like you know, yeah the name suits the style of music which is cool um, so did you ever anticipate this much momentum when you started the band <laughs> no never never in my life yeah I always I always wanted to be in a band growing up but like I didn't care like if we were playing in front of five people or a thousand people, nothing. Like I always just wanted to make music that people can relate to. And I think everyone in the band can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, we never, never expected this. I mean, you could say like, people say that, Oh, we like when I read it, whenever we answer this, a question like this, people are like, Oh, well you guys work so hard for it. But like, granted we did, we worked very hard. Like we were like, we dedicated so much of our lives to this band and but I don't think our goal was ever this, you know what I mean? I just think we wanted to play music, have fun and see where we can take it. But it, it's not like we were sitting at home thinking like, we got to get on RFC. We got to, we got to, we got to write a banger album. We got to get on RFC. Like it wasn't like that. We didn't expect momentum like we had. And I think that really hit home or that really hit us like that. We, we do have momentum on the knuckle puck tour. Cause that was our first time doing a tour outside of hardcore and uh, like just to be blatant, like we were, we were killing it. Like we were shocked. We were like, wow, like we really have something here, I guess. Like we really made, we accomplished our goal and can make an impact on people and leave them with something to think about and something to remember. Uh, and we went right from knuckle puck to turnstile and the ball just kind of kept rolling. And I, I know like, some people were like, wow, like we haven't seen a band accomplish what you guys have accomplished so far just by having six songs out. And, uh, you know, like, I guess, and then, then we, we were going to like line up a full world tour after Turnstile. Like we were just going to try and hit every continent off for me to you because we were getting offers to play like basically everywhere. Wow. And then the pandemic struck. And then we were, we're very 
grateful that a lot of our fans stuck around throughout the pandemic because two years without seeing us live and to still listen to us and my mind is wild. And I'm so thankful for that. And we, like we, we talk about that all the time, like how grateful we are that we still kept monthly listeners on Spotify, that we still had people interested in us. And now to re like to have to rebuild that momentum might not be as hard as we once thought it would be because we like, we, we have a very loyal fan base, I guess. And we're very, like, like I said, thankful and grateful for that. So we're excited to hop back out there and building more momentum up to the, like the, L the LP, but we, I don't think we ever expected any of this. Yeah. No. Wow. So I, yeah, going back to the pandemic, I mean, the, the band I'm in, we've definitely lost a lot of mo momentum because of it. I mean, when the, like, the the pandemic hit like March and we just released an EP in like January mm -hmm. and it was like, it was huge. Like none of us expected the reaction that we got. Like we got asked to play um, Wild Rose in Canada and stuff. Oh, sweet. And we was just like, we just wasn't expecting the reaction that we got. Um, and then literally we did like, like a promo weekender off the EP. Mm -hmm. Come back off the weekend there. Our van got stolen with all our gear in it. Oh my God. I'm sorry and, to hear that. And then like two weeks later, the pandemic hit. So it was just like, since then we've done kind of nothing. I mean, the labels helped us out massively because they've just like repressed the record and oh, that's good. like flags and, and CDs and things like that. But yeah, I mean, we really need to like get back out there now because that pandemic hit hard. That, I mean, it hit hard for you guys because didn't you guys get stuck in Europe? Or you? I wish we got stuck in Europe. We, I wish, <laughs> I wish we got stuck there. We were in, so we were in Scotland in our hotel room after the that that show with Turnstile, and we were watching. We were either someone was live streaming the 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 news or something like that, and that's when Trump announced the travel ban. So we were like, oh snap! Like, what do we do? Uh, do we finish out the tour because not all the shows got canceled at that moment yet? Or like, do we play tomorrow's show or do we go home? And I know all our parents were obviously geeking because we told them like, Hey, we like, supposedly we might be stuck here for a little bit. Wow. Um, I was like, hell yeah, we're going to be stuck here. For like <laughs> I was so happy, <laughs> but Wait, what part of Scotland was it? Uh, Glasgow. I'm not sure. I, let me check the flyer real quick. It was no one wants to be stuck in Glasgow. I love all the guys in Glasgow, but I wouldn't want to get stuck in Glasgow. <laughs> I just loved being in Europe. Like it was like, yeah, I mean, cool. yeah, it makes sense. I love it there. I cannot wait to come back. Uh, so my girlfriend's from Poland, actually, like she was born oh, in Poland wow. and she lives in Jersey now. So we're like trying to come over there as soon as we can to just, so I can meet her family and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, but even like, when her family sends over food, like her family will send over like freshly picked mushrooms from nice. like their farm and just like, Oh my God, they're the best mushrooms ever. Like, uh, and just the food over there. I love milk. I love okay. milk. I can drink a gallon of milk every day. Oh, I, was drinking, so <laughs> I was drinking so much milk. In Europe. It was oh, insane. Oh. It was insane. There was this, uh, and the milk chocolate or the hot chocolate. Oh my God. There was this cafe in Germany. We played, I think it was in Berlin. Okay. I met up with, uh, two homies from stand, uh, from, hold on. This is horrible. I should know their name. Uh, Sophia and Matthias. And they have this record label, uh, stand together records. I, I like, for some reason, like I always have standalone in my mind. Cause I, I think that's a band around here, 
when it's standing together records, I met up with them and I must have had like three or four cups of hot cocoa at that <laughs> at that cafe before the show. That's I was in heaven. Crazy. Like I, I love chocolate and I love milk. So just the way they made it there with the homemade whipped cream and everything. Oh my wow. God. I was I was on cloud nine. But um yeah, so we we but so then the scary part was is we almost got we almost actually could have potentially got stuck because the plane tickets were going like that. Wow. And then so we had to get hooked up with, I think, by Tallow or Colin Feeney to help buy us plane tickets. And then they bought them for us uh, because we, we also didn't have the money for them either. So they bought them for us. And then they, you know, we got all the stuff with the email and then we paid them back. But that was truly a moment I'll never forget because like the intensity of the hotel room, because some of us were like, yo, we should go home. You know, it's not safe. Literally, like the next show was a hot spot for COVID. Wow. I think it was London. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, the, London. The capital city of the UK. And it's a, yeah. London was a hot spot. And we're like, you know, none of us want to risk getting sick out here because it, like, people, you know, the, the news was very scary at that time, too. Because yeah. it just, it made it seem like everyone was just dying, basically, if you got it. Uh, let me see. This was Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think we it's Stab City, right? Isn't that isn't that we were we were? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been there, I've been there so many times. Like, so many of my good friends like are up there, but yeah, I just it's very rough. <laughs> it seems it. Yeah, it's like that like you just said. I mean, you're you're, you're from Wilkes-Barre, and even you know that it's called Stab City. Like that just says something, really, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's just yeah, it's a crazy city. It's a cool city to play in, though. Like the scene there is incredible. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah, the scene there is amazing, and the, and the venue was great. sick. The venue was like a maze. But, but like the venue, venue I'm not sure what venue it was, but like there was so many stairways and lefts and rights, and it was just like. The, the green room was in like this random room in like in like the basement or something. It was it was really crazy. It was awesome. But I remember the one like me and Tommy were walking up from the green room and it took us like 15 minutes to get back to the <laughs> stage. We just had we're like, where do we go? <laughs> it was pretty cool. But uh yeah, the nightlife there was cool too. Like when we walked outside, I'm not sure if there's a university around there or anything. But it's it so seemed like they, it was they do have a uni. I'm not sure where it is, mind, but they do have a uni, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The streets were like bumping. Like everyone was out at the cafes. There was like other at this uh, restaurant. There was some cool like reggae band playing. We sat and watched them for a little bit, and like the streets were flooded. It was awesome. It was a really good. It was a really good time. Uh, and coincidentally, I think we met someone, or like there was some a girl there, and we were asking her how to get back to the venue. And I think she was from Scranton, which is like the neighboring city of Wilkes-Barre. That's crazy. We, we were like, it's such a small world. She was from Scranton or Philly, something like that. That's that it's like bizarre. Yeah, we were like, what? Like that's just wild. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really fun. Actually, another another cool thing too is I'm applying to dental school next summer. Okay. And cool. when I was walking, like when I was walking around the like the surrounding area of the venue, there was the uh, uh, Scotland Dental School right up the street. Oh, sick. So I was like, like, wow, this, this is, this is like, it was a beautiful school too, but it was cool to see that, I guess. Yeah. So, like it's still home. so when you're playing like the UK, what was sort of the, the best city to play? I mean, you, you guys had a lot of momentum by that point and you know, you were playing with turnstile. So I can imagine every show was crazy. But what yeah, was every show was favorite places of the UK? I think we, I think we played the tightest on that tour, it, like at least out of the UK to, uh, shows, we played the tightest in Scotland. Okay. But 
the Bristol show was really cool. The Bristol show was uh, in um, a church. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm not sure if that's like the like the go to venue there. There's a, like wow. So Bristol is like such an amazing city. So um, me and my girlfriend like love Bristol. We go there like a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Bristol, they have a venue called the Feckler, which is a boat. A boat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's all like controversy and stuff, but that's supposedly where Banks is from. Oh, the Bristol? Yeah. So oh, yeah. Because so, obviously you, you were there, so you probably saw all the artwork and stuff. Yeah. Like but he's supposedly from Bristol. And the Feckler, I don't know if it still does, but the Feckler used to have the Grim Reaper piece on the side of it as well. It was, a, it was an amazing venue. Oh wait! So one of one of Banksy's pieces was on the venue on, on the boat. Oh, that's on the, big. the actual venue. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, we were walking around Bristol, uh, and it's amazing how they incorporate the art into that town. It's amazing. It's such a like place. even the one cell phone advertisement is a BT wireless. Yeah, my nickname is BT, so it was like kind of. Like, to be fair, yeah. I was I was talking to Rob. Obviously, he runs the Fort Lion. I was like. Yeah. Who, who am I like interviewing? Like, what's his name? He was like, I'm not sure. So I was like, shit, like, I need to go find it. I don't want to like make me look stupid. So I was like, I went to find it and I went on your band camp and it said BT. And I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> no I, just, name. So I just call him BT or what do I do? Yeah, that's my name. So it's just the like, initials. Yeah. Someone I like emailed you guys. I was like, who's it that we're speaking to kind of thing? Because I didn't want to come onto this and be like, uh, so what's your name? Like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, yes, like, like it was funny seeing like like BT Wireless over because they were like, oh, look, BT. And then, but then uh, the one BT Wireless advertisement in Bristol had like on it, like, look at this like graffiti or whatever. And it was like pointing to the graffiti piece right next to the billboard. Wow. And then it had like their wireless or like, and then it had like their advertisement. But I thought it was so cool how like the like a company incorporated something like an appreciation for the art in Bristol itself yeah, Bristol. into their advertisement. And then seeing like a real, uh, real Banksy piece in person. Yeah. Like we all, like it was, I was like so stoked for that moment. We yeah. saw the one with, uh, where it's like on the wall next to the cafe, I think. And it's, a lot of, was it the, the girl with the balloons? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah I was, we were, I was so stoked. I've seen thousands of pictures of that before and to see it in person, I, I was jaw dropped. Yeah, so where that is, if you drive like a little bit further up, I don't know whether you guys would have done it, but if you drive a little bit further up the road from that, there's the suspension bridge, which is amazing as well, because it's just literally like you walk sort of halfway on the suspension bridge and you just sort of look, overlook the whole of Bristol. Oh, really? Incredible. Yeah, yeah, because obviously Bristol's like super hilly, but yeah. where that cafe is and that artwork is pretty much sort of the top of the hill so you go like a little bit further and you got on a suspension bridge and then you just overlook the whole of bristol oh i wish we did that we didn't know about that but next time we go back i'll have to remember that suspension yeah. bridge in bristol yeah bristol that was my favorite show in the uk just yeah. pulling up to the venue was just the, ch- the church and the church was just it just looked immaculate it was a beautiful church and then walk in the sound was incredible in there too I, like I always wanted to play a show in a church in general because like the acoustics in a church are wild. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. Um, and that was a really fun show. Uh, and yeah, that definitely in the UK, that was my favorite spot. Cool. So, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about momentum. So, what's the plan for one step closer going forward? Now, obviously, you've got the new record coming out. So, how are you guys going to keep that momentum going? So, the, uh, our plan is to we're going to be dropping the singles. I. Th- uh, you know, throughout like up until September, I think we have two more singles coming out or one more. 
Uh, so we're going to, we plan on keeping up momentum like that. And those singles are, they're not too far spaced, spaced apart from each other. Okay. We're also playing a Philly barbecue show, July 10th, I think, or 14th, one of them. And then we also have that terror tour coming up. Yeah. That's insane. I'm really stoked. I, and that's like, an, like, I was just talking to Ryan about this before, actually. I'm really happy we didn't put the record out during the pandemic because yeah. we're still going to be, I guess, technically touring off from me to you when we like in September because the new record's not going to be out yet. So we're going to like rebuild some momentum with that tour and it's going to come up to like, it's going to like reach like a, a peak and then the record's going to drop. And that momentum I feel will get pushed even further. And then we're going to be touring and then we have tours scheduled for after the terror tour. So it's just like, we kind of, I'm not, we didn't plan like that purposely, but we got really lucky in the fact that we, it's all plan, like planning out like that because I, I did, I, I didn't want to, put the record out during the pandemic. I don't think any of us did because we wouldn't be able to tour. So it might just be like drops, be like hyped for a week and then like, you know, see you later kind of thing. But now we're going to be, we're going to be like finishing up a tour before it even drops, dropping it towards the end of that tour. And then we're going to keep the ball rolling in late, like late October through November. Uh, And then we're going to hop overseas once we, like once we were able to probably next, like early next year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we're going to try and I think our plan is to hit everywhere we're able to in 2022. Amazing. So keep in the United States until the end of 2021. And then right when we're able to, once everything starts opening back up again, officially for national travel, we're going to try and hit it all. Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully you guys come to the UK soon. I, I, you literally played in like my hometown the last time as well. And I completely missed it, man. I was good. Oh, really? Oh, well, speaking of UK, we're playing that. We're playing mainstream. Uh, mainstream in Germany. Okay. With, with like some 41 in the offspring and stuff like that. What? I've never heard of it. That's crazy. With, uh, yeah. Let me, let me, let me pull this up real quick. Mainstream. Yeah. We're playing. Uh, it is the 25th of June, 2022. It's the offspring. Some 41 boy set fire enter Shikari. Wow. Stick your gun, Silverstein, neck deep, of mice and men. Wow. Uh and then we're playing third. So we're 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 gonna tour around that probably. Yeah, that makes sense. I hope so. <laughs> That'd be cool. So we'll be over in Europe in twenty twenty two in June for this festival and uh maybe a tour around it. Yeah, we should. Hopefully I get to catch you guys next time you come around because I was so good. That's one good thing about from an outsider's point of view again that's one good thing about one step closer is because you mix that hardcore and emo, you have such a advantage there because you, you tour with knuckle puck, then you're on tour with Tara. Then you're going to play a festival with some 41 and offspring. Do you know what I mean? Like you really can hit a lot of different lanes with the style of music you guys are going in. It's very clever. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's something I, I, I like, I feel like, uh, Title Fight was able to do that as well. I feel yeah. like they were able to pull from all these different crowds. And it's not that I think, yeah, I think I saw some like comments saying like, oh, like they just ripped title fight. I don't think we did it in like we're not doing it intentionally. It's just no, that's, it's that's just like when you put yourself into the music, it, it can kind of go in multiple directions. Cause I, I personally don't even I don't even see this new record as a hardcore record. Okay. There is there's like two hardcore songs on it. But I think in my eyes, the rest of it is very just it's it's emo it's like a very it's very it has an emo sound to it 
it's just faster and it's a little bit more upbeat. So I think people accumulate it into that hardcore setting. But I, I really, I struggle to say that this is a hardcore record. Okay. Like for me to you even, I don't even think that, that, that is hardly a hardcore record in my opinion. And I, I always get shot down on that, but I just, I guess when you're writing it, it might feel different. It might seem I do. Different. I do. I mean, I do see the aspects of the hardcore in it. I definitely think it pulls from sort of a middle lane. It's definitely not like this is a hardcore record and this is an emo record. It's definitely pulling from both lanes and it's quite clever because yeah. it's like sometimes when I'm like, when I'm listening to you guys, it's like one minute I do hear title fight. Then the next minute I'll listen to it. It'll be like, I do hear half heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think so clever about it because you pull in from all of these different lanes. So there's like so much you can do with that. Like you said, you played with Knuckle Puck, you're touring with Tara, you're playing festivals with Offspring. Like that, you know, the, the possibilities are endless almost. Like you can take, you could go out on tour and take Koyo with you. Take him back Sunday, can announce the tour tomorrow. And you could, you could do it like, there's no yeah. reason why you wouldn't fit the bill. Exactly. So, yeah. And I, uh, I love that because I don't like putting music in a box. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, that's why I like when Wikiface tours with Anxious and stuff like that, because, you know, those are apples and oranges. I love those tours. I remember before the, the uh, pandemic hit, we were supposed to tour with, I think it was Terror, Vane, Us, and is it Little, Little Ugly Mane? Oh, really? Well, I think, and like, I was so, so stoked for that tour because those are four totally different, different bands. bands. Yeah, it's all yeah, different. Yeah. Total, yeah. And I, I was so stoked for that tour because I, I love Yeah, I love things like that. Like, I saw the first time I ever saw Title Fight in the UK, they bought with um, Dead End Path, but then they bought Were as well. So oh, really? Like, you're watching a shoegaze band, then you're watching a hardcore band, then you're watching Title Fight, which is like punk emo band. Yeah. It was just it, for me, it was like I was so blown away by it. That's like, perfect. It was, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've seen like, I've been to like the hard, the hardcore festival in the UK almost. And I've seen, you know, like Citizen will play it, but then there'd be like Jesus Peace on it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like cool. I, lo- I love those mixes. I love that. Yeah. It's perfect. Those, those are my, that, my opinion is like the most fun time. Yeah. I, I actually love tours like that and shows like that. Yeah. But that's, that's what I mean. So that's like the perfect, that's the best thing for One Step Closer, really, because you can do sort of anything almost with that. Thank you. I as, appreciate that. Yeah, as long as it's, you know, within sort of the same vein, there's so much you can do with it. It's very clever. So as, as a band, as One Step Closer, what are some of the biggest moments? What are some of the moments where you were like, I don't know, you might have been on stage and you might have been like, fuck this is huge. Or you might have put out a record and seen the reaction from it and been like, fuck, this is amazing. So what are uh, the best moments for you and sort of the band? Uh, definitely have heart. Yeah. yeah. I remember like walking up, on, like walking up to the stage the second day for half heart when it was outside, like I walked up, plugged the basin and I just turned to the left and there was just a sea of people. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like we are very lucky. Yeah, very cool. lucky to be here right now. And I w- it was mind blowing. And then, so when we like, even, even with the vein stream, I was just talking about, we had no idea we were playing with some 41. We didn't find out until it got announced. Like we knew we were playing the festival, but when I went on Instagram and I saw some 41 in the offspring, I like, like I closed Instagram and then opened it back up again. I was like, 
What? Like, like, what? I I was absolutely mind blown. And then when we got like the offer from RFC, we were like, holy, holy, like, holy moly, like, this is crazy. Uh, And then even some of the tours that we got, like, we're planning right now or got asked to do that, like, I can't say anything about right now. Like, it's just, like, it's just, like, it's hard to go to bed every night thinking, like, you can't tell anybody happening. about it as well. That's the worst yeah. feeling to me is that when you got something cool happening, you can't tell anyone about it. Oh my god, yeah, it's it's crazy, and and um, like the turnstile tour too. When when I was studying uh for exams, when Ryan told me about the turnstile tour, and I was just like, that's crazy. <laughs> like I've been listening to that band since I was so young. Like I've seen them a thousand times. Like it's it's crazy that it, they're just jaw dropping moments. Like it's stuff you never think would ever happen. Yeah. Um. Amazing. I think the best, the biggest one though was definitely half heart. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's kind of the yeah, definitely half heart. I don't think anything will ever top that. So, going back to um, run for cover, was it triple B you guys run before? We were, yes. Yeah. So, it, was there? It, do you feel like there was a difference between going from pretty much a soul hardcore label to what run for cover is, which is more like hardcore AJ stuff? I. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think personally, on a personal level, obviously as an outsider, again, I think Run for Cover suits One Step Closer more. Triple B is an amazing label, incredible label, and they're so hardworking and do so much. But I definitely think Run for Cover suits One Step Closer more. The difference is, I don't. Uh, the difference is outstanding. Uh, it's incredible the difference it's like everything we ever i guess wanted with a label uh or everything i yeah like wanted or needed i guess with the label um i the guys from our cover outs amazing mm. jeff brian tommy like all the guys that we've talked to so far are incredible like they've helped us out so much uh they're very easy to work with very fun to work with our manager bob shed incredible guy very very thankful to have him on board with us because he made a lot of this stuff happen uh jason parent from apa booking another incredible guy we would not be on run for cover wasn't for him probably um and it's just it's it like it's it's um it's hard to talk about even because it's just like there's so much like great things coming from it already yeah i can imagine like it's Again, I can just in the future I can just see Fiddlehead and One Step Closer, or you know, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I can see that happening I now that so. you guys are on Run for Cover. I can literally just yeah. see that in my head. I can literally picture it in my head, like you guys playing together. Like, there's no reason why you guys wouldn't play together. You know, label mates and similar style of music and stuff. I do get it. I do think like Run for Cover is such an amazing move because I do think it's like suits you guys down to a T. I think so as well. I, I'm I'm very happy. We we were wondering, like, but before we even got offered like RFC, like we were wondering, like, say, like, hey, like, if if the day did come, what label would fit OSC better if we did get an offer from someone, or like fit OSC best if we did get an offer from someone other than Triple B? And the I think the answer was like always RFC, just yeah. like their their label and like you're saying the the music they have, it really fits RFC in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't think it would fit a pure noise as good 
as it would. No, so, I definitely think I definitely think Room for Cover is like the perfect label. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think it's a a very it's a very healthy relationship we're going to have. I feel with them. Yeah, I feel and like I, I I just think it's it's perfect. Yeah, I think so as well. And so far, it's it feels that way. It feels very it feels very nice. It feels perfect. It's something you would expect. Like obviously, you say you guys, you know, if someone asked you guys what would the ideal label be, and you say room for cover. If someone said to me, "Oh, what label do you think one step closer would be on next?" I would say room for cover. I just think I agree. So anyway, um, just to close it down, you got any uh, shout outs or mentions you want to throw out? Uh, yeah, uh, shout out to like Jason, Bob, Jeff, Run for Cover, Brian, all the other guys from Run for Cover, great dudes. Um, all the rest of the guys out in Europe, Matthias, Mikey, uh, Sophia, all the stand together homies. Um, and yeah, every, everyone uh, that's been yeah, like helping us out so far through all this, it's that there's like so much to say, it's impossible to, <laughs> to yeah. group it into one thing, but uh, thankful. I'm thankful for all the support everyone showed us so far. I'm hoping everyone liked Pringle Street and they're looking forward to the next single. And the record's coming out September 24th. So, um, yeah, like I hope, I, I can't wait to see everyone else at the shows now. Again, like, um, hopefully, you and I will get to meet when we play in UK again. Mate, definitely. If you guys yeah. play in Birmingham, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I'd even travel, to be honest. I mean, oh, really? Thank you. The, pa- the pandemic's hit that badly. I think I'd just go anywhere to <laughs> watch some. Where are you from? From Birmingham in the UK. Oh, okay, very sweet. Yeah, so, I mean, even if, I mean, not many people do play here, but if you guys didn't play here and you played at Leeds or London, I'd just go just for a day out just to see you guys. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, good luck with the dental school. Good luck with the new record. It comes thank out the you. day before my birthday, so hopefully... Oh, really? That's sick. <laughs> my girlfriend's just heard me say that and she orders me the record as a birthday present. But, yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, good luck with the record, man. And, yeah, hopefully if you do come to the UK, we get to meet each other for sure. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Okay. Okay, Brian. Take care. You too, man. All the best. Nice talking to you. See you, man. Thank you for listening to that episode. Um, thank you to Brian. Fantastic guy. Really, really fun to talk to. Um, if you haven't already, go and check out that new One Step Closer single and make sure to pre-order the record on the 24th of September. Um, One Step Closer are a fantastic band. Very, very hard working. Make sure you support. Thank you. Cheers.